0: 10 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Phelps. Avery for three hits. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome hey, to go. the Second to None Podcast, the A State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up, we'll talk basketball. Plenty of that going on. This week, also the indoor track and field season is officially underway. A school record broken over the weekend. Volleyball playing in the postseason this past week. But we'll start with football as we now know where the Red Wolves are going bowling. They'll return to Montgomery to make the school's third trip to the Camellia Bowl. That's coming up Saturday, December 23rd at 11 a.m. as they take on Northern Illinois. Also this past week, all Sunbelt Conference selections were announced. Nine players for the Red Wolves named All-Conference. Jalen Rayner named Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year. Jalen Cunningham, Courtney Jackson, Char Willicus, and Sammy Johnson all named Honorable Mention. Thurman Gethers and Jaquez Cross named to the third team. McKeelan Thomas named to the second team. And the Red Wolves with two first team selections. Hunter William Pristop named first team. The other first team selection is joining us in studio right now. It's A State Center Jacob Bear. How you doing, Jacob? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing great, man. So, what's your reaction when you find out your first team All Conference?
1: Well, he kind of told us in the in the meeting room, and it just kind of took me by surprise because we're we're sitting there and we're having our team meeting, and he calls on Will to answer a question, and I'm hoping he doesn't call on me because I don't want to have to remember what he was saying, and then calls on Will, and he goes, "You know, Will, guess what?" Boom, drops the bombshell on him. So I'm, I was like, "Oh my!" And then <laughs> I'm sitting right in there, and then he goes, and then he screams my name, Bear pop-up, you know, kind of sleepy-eyed and whatnot, but, and he goes, you made first team off selection, and everybody starts, you know, it just kind of caught me by surprise, I was definitely excited, we went from zero to 100 very, very fast.
2: So, my big takeaway from that is, in the team meeting, it's like fifth grade math class, you're sitting there thinking, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're going going through the team meeting, you're writing down all the stuff he's saying, and, you know, getting ready if he calls on you, and you're like, please don't call on me, please don't call on me. You know, you, you don't want to have to feel the doom, the wrath.
0: <laughs> and I've watched Coach Jones enough times now the last three years. He keeps you on your toes. You better be listening any time oh. he's talking because he'll call on anybody at any given time.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're sitting there and, you know, everybody, if you don't have your pen and paper out, <laughs> writing down, you know, all the stuff you need to write down, it, it can definitely be an ordeal.
0: Well, it's been quite a season, and congratulations on being named first team all-conference. Thank you. And I want to talk about the season itself, but I do want to go back and backtrack a week or just over a week now and taking us up to that season finale at Marshall. And I was telling you before we started recording, Coach Jones called me the morning of the game. That never happens. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, he tells me that Jacob is not going to play today. We had to rush him to the hospital. And the first reaction, of course, is, "Oh my God, is he okay?" Yeah. Tell us what happened uh, leading up to that Marshall game.
1: So I think maybe on Thursday, Friday morning, I'm starting to feel like a little scratch in the back of my throat, and I'm, you know, kind of writing it off. You know, it's winter time; you're going to get a little sick. By the time we get on the plane, I'm feeling not the best, and then next thing I know, we're we're sitting in the um, the team hotel, and I'm like passed out. Just I feel terrible. I feel feverish, like lethargic. And get done eating dinner, which is kind of hard because my th- I already felt my throat was kind of starting to swell up. And then that night, I just I, l- I look in the mirror, and there's this—looks like a golf ball in my throat. And I oh can barely God. talk. It hurts to swallow. And I try to sleep it off because, st- obviously, I want to play. I'm not going to call it quits too early. So then I try and sleep it off. And that morning, I text the trainer at like 6 o'clock and tell him, you know, I probably need to go to the doctor. So— He waits a bit, see what our our team doctor said, and then we go to the doctors or the hospital there in Huntington, and they look at it, and I'm thinking, you know, hopefully it'll be a quick thing. It's going to be like a quick drain or quick antibiotic shot, something. And he's like, you know, this is pretty bad. And it got to that point where I could barely talk because it was just taking so much space up and like in my mouth. So I immediately had a CAT scan to see how far it went down, and then I think I had surgery like an hour later to get it drained because it was just the like I guess the implications it could cause, you know, not being able to breathe and I couldn't really eat and I didn't drink eat anything for that whole day. But then I woke up and all was better.
0: So you're fine now, I guess. Just antibiotics at yeah, this point. Yeah, I, I,
1: I spent the whole day there, and then I came, when I came back, I spent another night here in Jonesboro. Just through the IV, just probably like three rounds of antibiotics. The only thing I got right now is like a little, it's like a little cut in the back of my throat that hasn't healed up yet, and so I had to eat soft foods and couldn't really eat any like anything spicy or anything really to aggravate it. Now it's you know mostly
2: normal. I want to kind of talk through kind of what you're seeing or hearing. So all day Saturday. You're in the hospital, up to the fact that the team has to leave you there. Yeah. So, who's with you? Uh, Our head trainer, Eric, is with me.
1: The whole time? Uh, No. So, he fills me up there, and he's sitting with everything. And then he leaves to go back to the game. You know, once the game starts, he goes to be there. And then maybe two hours after surgery, Ron Carroll comes up and waits on me. Keeps a to hold of me.
2: So, are you, like, and I don't know, like, timeline of surgery or sort of, uh, are you Watch the game, listen to the game, keep up with the game.
1: I woke up probably an hour before the game started, but I was very, very tired from being under anesthesia. So I watched about the first three drives and then phone fell out of my hand, knocked out.
2: <laughs>
1: and then after that I was like, you know, there's no point to sit there and just watch tidbits. So I just I pulled up on my phone and just uh kept a hold of the score. And I was I was watching all the other college football games or trying to, what was on TV So were you too out of it to be mad? No, I was not too out of it to be mad. I was still a little sad.
0: Well, obviously, you were missing being out there with your teammates. But kind of explain to the listener, those people who don't understand everything that goes into offensive line play, the challenge it was for your teammates on game day. And look, we talked about it here last week. The one thing Coach Jones was most concerned about going into that game was Marshall's defensive line. It was really the strength of their team. So on game day, you're out. Mm -hmm. McKeelan Thomas has to come in from right tackle to play center, and then you've got a couple of guys out there playing tackle, and Noah and Elijah, Noah Smith and Elijah Zolikoffer that are not 100% and doing everything they can to get through that game. So talk about what those guys had to go through just with those last-minute changes.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, what I was told, McKellen got told that morning, it's like, hey, you're going to play center now. And he was just, you know, he's shocked, obviously, because he doesn't know what's going on either. But it's definitely, a, you know, it's a, a struggle to not take any center reps all week because, obviously, I'm feeling fine all week and we're not, you we can't predict something like that. But I think he did a decent enough job. I think he did a pretty good job calling it because he had played it some throughout the season. But it's just kind of that thing of, like, you have to prepare so fast. You know, there's no extra... Like help he could have really gotten that morning because it just it was such such a fast change for what happened,
2: so for those of us who don't see it every day, I mean, I mean how often does he take center rep?
1: It's really only happens when our two center isn't there, you know, like if he's down on the scout team, but you know it's pretty rare i mean, it, I mean he is our backup center, so. But he's also our starting right tackle. So, I mean, anything, get, yeah, I'd rather yeah. him be a great right tackle than a mediocre right tackle and a mediocre center. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> that's keep, a good keep point. it up at right tackle. <laughs> you know, keep being 100% where you're at. I mean, like you said, he got second team all conference. So, I mean, he's doing something right at right tackle. But, I mean, that's like you couldn't put me at right tackle and then tell me to play well because I have never touched it and would be awful.
0: You're from Grandview, Texas. Yes, sir. Not a big town. You and I have talked about this before. I grew up in Burleson, which wasn't very far down the road. But was it always football for you?
1: Yeah, for the most part. If you were a boy in elementary, you were just expected to play football. It's kind of that thing because we're such a small class. I knew everybody's first and last name. I graduated less than 100 people. So, like, if you're a guy, you're playing football. That's just what you do. So, and then obviously my family was very big football fans growing up. So, it was just kind of like – it was what was expected of me. And so, obviously, you love it because you're a little kid and you just go out and, you know, you have fun with all your friends. But something that a lot of people don't know, which is kind of surprising, is I actually quit football my sophomore year of high school because mm. I had just, I don't I mean, I don't really know. It's probably a really, really dumb decision that I look back on now, but it kind of wasn't where my heart was at at the time. And then my team goes on to win state. And all my friends are, I mean, they are giving it, like, landing on me how I'm such an idiot. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made the dumbest mistake ever. And my little brother at the time was on the varsity team, and he had a, he had got a ring, and they were making fun of me because he had a ring more rings than I did. And so I was like, "Yeah, that was really, really stupid." So that next off season, I got right back into it, and then started, and then I played my junior and senior year, and the rest is history.
2: What? brought that on
1: i'm not really sure i mean looking back i think it was like just unhappy where you're at i didn't like how things were going you're a moody little high school kid that doesn't know what's good for you so you you think you know everything and that's what i was told at the time you think you know everything but you don't so <laughs> you make dumb decisions and you live with them and i live with that so that's how it is
2: now so you said you grew up in a town where it's always you're expected to play football but at what age do you start being bigger to the point that you were probably going to be some kind of lineman. I was a normal-sized
1: kid probably up until, like, first grade. I went away for a summer. I was hanging out with my dad that summer, and uh I just, I mean, I stacked on the pounds. I became a little fat, little chubby kid. <laughs> and then finally, I think I grew into it more about my eighth grade junior high year. Where I started being a, a known for being a bigger guy and not just the, the fat kid, which was a pretty good thing. And then uh, I think I really started, I guess, my height and weight and my strength started taking notice probably about my sophomore year after, after I came back.
0: When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is
2: committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short. But fierce is forever. Simmons Bank,
0: member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State Athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact, spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T, club.com. You're Support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Visiting with A-State Center Jacob Baer here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. And you started your college career at Lamar. Had two very good seasons at Lamar, but opted before this past season to go into the transfer portal. And you and I have had this conversation before. You said you had options, but when you came to Arkansas State, there was just a different feel. You said it felt like home here, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I said. It was also my first visit, and I was amazed by, you know, coming from a smaller school, which just still had nice facilities and nice things, and coming here, I was just, like, kind of blown away by what I guess the difference was. And I really enjoyed that when I met with the strength staff and coach Jeff Jones. I met with him, and I loved what he was telling me from the get-go. And then the family aspect I got to know Coach Kwan really well. I met with him, I think, two or three times while he came to my house, and I met him, obviously, on my official visit, and uh, things just kind of clicked. My roommate now is actually who hosted me a year ago, so I got to know him well enough to move into the room with him. And Who's that? Uh, Austin Woods. Okay. Yeah, he had hosted me, and then a year later I'm living in the same spot. So it kind of just clicked. I looked at all the other places, and the only other place was – it was close to home but that was the only like real aspect it had so I was used to living far enough away from home and you kind of grow out of your homesickness so it just kind of felt right
2: plus knowing the situation matters right I mean you knew that Arkansas State was in the market for a center to step in and start snapping it
1: yeah well I think also a lot of like a lot of teams when they look in the transport they're looking for what they need and that's what coach Kwan was telling me is you know we need we want a center we need a center and it I felt like even if there was a center to like to come in, I feel like I was—I mean, I put some trust in myself to hopefully go in and, and win the spot. But I mean, that's definitely a thing you don't want to be stuck behind an all-American guy. That, so, but I mean, the the point was to for me to come in and make a change as soon as possible.
0: And you threw yourself right in right away. And I remember talking to you back in the spring, and we had you out. We did a live with the Red Wolves during the spring, and just you could tell the bond you had already made with your teammates mm. at that point and that's one thing we've talked a lot about this year and we've seen a, a lot of teams come through here and a lot of good teams come through here but the chemistry on this year's team and you see it on the sideline every single game you see it out at practice there's something different what is it about this year's team and just how well you guys get along
1: it's kind of like that thing of like you go through a lot of hard stuff together. You want to celebrate the things you do well. So I feel like we have one of the hardest camps, practices, trainings in the country. Like, I mean, they, they work us and it's what we want. So when... Good stuff does happen. It needs to be celebrated, and they kind of you know they emphasize that where you know you get a guy that's maybe a little tired after a run or something, and it's like go celebrate. You just worked you know as hard as you could possibly work. It's time to go celebrate. I mean, you don't you don't just sit there and go back on the sideline. You do good stuff. You want to celebrate it. We have a lot of fun with that. I don't know if you've seen it, but the old line celebrations I feel like are par none on the team. Me and Makai Butler, I think take the show. You'll see it in the bowl game. You keep an eye out, it'll definitely be a, a sight.
0: No, wait a minute. You're telling us you already have the bowl game offensive lineman celebration planned?
1: Uh, it's definitely planned. We're going to try and mix it up some. We don't want to keep the same one, but there's definitely something in the books that we've already talked about during the O-line meetings that we're going to do. Who's the choreographer? Kai Butler. He is the most <laughs> talented when it comes to his dance moves, and I just kind of follow suit. Maybe add something, but nothing too much.
0: It's fun to watch... You guys just progress as an offensive line, too. And talking about the on-the-field stuff for just a minute, and we saw it in the game against the Cajuns. I think that was the most rushing yards against a Sunbelt opponent since 2018. And then the very next home game against Texas State, you had more than that. Mm-hmm. It was the most against the conference opponent, 291 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns against texas state and i remember talking to you about that and for good reason you said the offensive line takes a whole lot of pride in that
1: yeah <laughs> we're on the sideline and it's like i mean it's we're third down and we're up by i don't know 40 something and coach kwan he doesn't crack a smile when anything good happens until the game's over and he said he won't be happy until we crack uh he calls it three bills we crack three hundred <laughs> rushing yards uh but sadly we didn't get to because the defense didn't want to let us play that game <laughs> so that's <laughs> right. Uh, they wouldn't let you on the field yeah they were they were taking it away from us but obviously afterwards it didn't matter too much but yeah we know we do take a lot of pride in it because it's a value of our hard work
2: so I, it's interesting i, I was going to ask you this question and it's not like there's a wrong answer you may you have a preference but it's funny you mentioned three bills because this was exactly what i was about to ask you if i gave you a choice as an offensive lineman, that you guys could go out one day and run for 300 or throw for 400, which mm-hmm. would you pick?
1: It's 300 every day. It's a, because it's just like a thing of like, it's just dominating the guy in front of you. Yeah. You can like have a good pass pro and let the quarterback air it out. It's fun. You won't be on the field as much because they're making these long passes. But when you're having these 12 play, like long drives, and then you're just, I mean, really, you're just physically beating the guy in front of you. You know, it's just a lot more rewarding getting on the sideline. I'm completely out of breath, cannot breathe because because of how much I'm <laughs> I'm working, but I feel like it's a lot more rewarding just running the ball on them than anything else.
0: You know, the last guy that was all-conference at center around here was also named Jacob. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to visit with Jacob still? Uh, at all? I
1: have. Yeah, he's coming to some of the practice, and obviously, I didn't, I didn't get to know him because I wasn't here yet. But the older guys, McKeelan Thomas and Makai Butler and Wood, Austin Woods, they you know they've told me stories about him, and they they introduced him and I together. So I mean, I think he's a great guy. I think it's funny that we're both named Jacob, <laughs> the Love play center.
0: His passion for Arkansas State is it's unmatched a, yeah. by any student athlete, former or current. You know, you see just how much he loves it now. But one thing Jacob was always known for, and one thing Brad always talked about too, was he's the guy that you love to have on your team, but you hate to play against (laughs) because he was always talking. Are you a trash talker out there? Uh,
1: It kind of depends. It's like if the guy in front of me says something, then I flip the switch for the whole game. It doesn't turn off. But if it's more like a a shut up and play kind of thing, I'm I'm always okay with that. But I really enjoy trash talking, and it's one of my – Favorite parts of the game, by far. If it's if it kind of just and it just happens. I don't I don't go into the game thinking I'm going to trash talk them.
0: Well, now still he always he would do a lot of research. He'd research (laughs) and and learn about girlfriends, family members, anybody that he could insult throughout the game. Do you put Uh, that much work into uh, it or just ad lib it when it comes? Yeah,
1: I'm more of an ad lib guy. I'm not. I don't think
2: I have the the desire to go that deep when it comes to it. But I've referenced this comment here a couple of times, and because it just stood out to me, and, and I don't know if you even know it was a thing, but we were at a one of the Red Bulls, uh, one of the Howl on Wheels events with fans. It was in Memphis before the season ever started, and Coach Jones sitting in front of a group of fans, previewing the season, talking about the team, and he says Jacob Bear is our best player. Now, when you hear the head coach said about you honestly when you hear the head coach said about an offensive lineman period but he's talking about you b what's what's it mean to know that sentence was spoken uh, i feel like definitely have some pressure then <laughs> to
1: uh to make him right he always tells us he's, he's never lied to us never led us in the right direction so i don't want to start now but i mean it's a good thing it's a good feeling but i think you know it doesn't like not get to my head i wouldn't say that's it, a really a big thing it's just i'm more of a guy that's going to I'm going to get more reward from doing what I do.
0: Well, he brings that up because we know it's not going to go to your head. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, you've been extremely sound this year. In fact, you're the third-ranked center in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. That's awesome. But that's just one part of your job. Yeah. The other part of your job is to be the anchor of that offensive line, and you need to be liked and respected by your teammates at the same time. Mm -hmm. And – I know you put as much work into that as anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's big the togetherness you have as O line. Uh, it's big, just kind of getting to know everybody. I feel like like when it comes to the O line, it's like those are my guys. I could take anyone else in the team. Obviously, that I love them. They're my teammates. But the O line is just like a different kind of uh, a kind of love you have for these guys. But it plays a big role. We like to have fun, joke around, do what everybody else does, but. Love them a bunch.
2: So a lot of – I mean, we've talked an awful lot with players, coaches, whoever's been in here in that chair talking about kind of the way the energy changed when Jalen Rayner got in there. So I won't even ask you the same question. But I, this is what I want to know about. From an offensive lineman standpoint, how to change blocking for that guy when you knew the RPO stuff was going to happen a lot more? Because RPOs really sort of hang offensive linemen out to dry. Like it's just sort of suckering you guys into blocking downfield, isn't it?
1: Yeah. At first, did not like RPOs at all. I'm not. I, I can't stand blocking for the run, and I feel like I just opened up the hole of the century, and this running back's about to take it to the house. And then you throw a, like a bubble slant, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. But I mean, with RPOs for him, obviously he can use his feet a lot better. So when I'm blocking, the next thing I know, here comes Jalen off the corner, like that one in Southern Miss he had, that went for I don't know, like 60 yards, or whatever yeah. it was. You know, that is a pretty good feeling, so I can't complain too much. I only get mad when it's not the result I want. As long as it's a positive play, touchdown, first
0: down, you know, I love it. You know, he's a true freshman, but both of you guys are in your first year around here, so there are some equivalents in that you both came in and tried to kind of take leadership roles, and Mm -hmm. when you're in the positions that you guys are, you as center, Jalen as a quarterback, no matter how old you are— you're kind of looked up to, and you know that in, in those positions.
1: Yeah. Obviously, I didn't know it going in. No one really did. and You you throw him in there, and then he does what he does. It was like overnight, he's the guy. So now, obviously, he was well like before. Everybody loves Jalen. I mean, he's a great guy. He's funny, charismatic. But you throw him in there, and then and now it's like, you know, this guy's our guy, and he's going to bring us to where we want to get to. So I feel like guys looked up to him because they knew what he was able to do. And then, I guess, for me, just kind of keeping the same anchor like just trying to stay the same throughout, not being up and down, and then just keep on working.
0: How long you had the mullet? What I inspired so, the mullet?
1: What inspired the mullet is that I was bald for so long i had I used to have long hair in high school, like kind of just regular long hair, and then one day my mom forced me to cut it a certain way, and I felt like I looked like a little girl the way it was working out so i chopped that (laughs) that, i came back from the salon or the hairstylist that day had my grandpa buzz me like completely bald rocks the bald and the buzz cut and for about two years and then i was like i'm just gonna kind of let it grow see what happens and then i had a little baby mullet one summer i think it was my summer going into my sophomore year at lamar and then i haven't touched the back of it since so it's been I guess, a year and it's a half. It's got some good length, too. Yeah, it. it's, it's a lot. I was hoping to get it cut before the bowl game to kind of – I mean, not cut-cut, but just kind of keep it under control a little bit because it's a lot.
0: How much are you looking forward to this bowl game?
1: Big time. I actually have a former teammate at Lamar that plays linebacker there at Northern Illinois. Okay. So I think getting a block can would be – just
0: a, and a little bit of trash talk.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely gonna trash talk this guy. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, I've never experienced anything like this before. Coming from FCS, and then uh, you know you're having a success here at at Arkansas State. So I'm just excited. I don't know. I'm just elated to be able to be part of a team that's that's changed something here in the past four years. Do something new.
0: Last question here from me. You go out with the offensive line to the buffet. Who's going to eat the most? That's a tough question.
1: So I personally, I do eat a lot, but when it comes to who's just the biggest guy who can just really just, I mean, for the long run kind of guy, the marathon is probably Elijah (laughs) Zollicoffer. He probably gets the most fat jokes, the most uh, poking fun of, like the prodding about his about his weight, and you know it's obviously all jokes. But uh, we went to Korean that Korean hot pot place, and we went there, and it was it was brutal. I mean, he probably had the iPad ordering food in his in his hands probably every minute and a half. I mean, he can really put it away.
2: <laughs> well, let me flip it around because everyone was some stuff like that. So I'm going to give you a chance to shine a different light on somebody. Who's the best athlete? In the offensive line room, Ooh,
1: McKeon is a very good athlete. He can he just, dunk, right? Uh, he says he can. I'm not oh, yeah. sure. I know his vertical is is a lot higher than mine. I can't trash talk him too much when it comes to his his stats and his measurements. But his running form, it's a cackle. Like it is so funny to watch McKeelan and Thomas run because he just he looks like a robot. Really long legs, really long arms, and he can't. They never get off the ground too much. But he moves. Uh, that's why I suppose I say to other guys, Tristan Smith. I think he's our, I think our backup right guard, left guard. And when it comes to just like, he's like a freak. Like, I mean, he's got veins all in his arms. He can probably jump. I think his vertical is like a 36 inch vertical and weighing 300 pounds. Wow. Insanely strong. You know, we're doing, we're doing like uh, individual drills and he goes to bull rush. And it is like probably one of the hardest bull rushes to stop. And he's an offensive lineman, kind of just walking forward. I mean, the dude's, it's a weird strength. It's a weird athleticism, but. That's probably who i give it to is maybe Tristan Smith.
0: Well, Jacob, we appreciate you coming in today. This is a lot of fun. Yep, yeah, it's been great. congratulations on being first team all-conference, and congrats on going to a bowl game. Good luck against Northern Illinois. Thank you so much. That's Jacob Bear joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this. Your
2: first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings... They just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank dreams realized simmonsbank.com member fdic equal housing lender subject to credit approval
0: red wolf fans this is demario davis proud red wolf and linebacker for the new orleans saints and i'm asking you to help out our current a-state student athletes by donating to the impact club this organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating nil agreements that allow them to endorse local charities make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters special gear and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else find out more and give today at impactclub.com thank you and wolves up. men's basketball with a couple of tough losses last week they were at home last tuesday hosting jackson state a good jackson state team that had defeated missouri the week before and a game that the red wolves led a good amount of time but jackson state able to come from behind and win that one 75 71 the red wolves Got out rebounded in this game, forty-four to thirty, and it was a twenty-four to eight advantage on the boards in the second half for Jackson State. And you know, after the game, Coach Hodson said, "Hey, we got to be tougher."
2: Yeah, he didn't hold back on that message. In fact, I'll tell you what he said. And he said in the media room because he spent so long talking to the guys, he didn't make it out to talk to you in the post game. <laughs> nope. But when he finally got to the media room, he said, "We got punked out, and we've got a lot of guys who are fake tough guys."
0: That should get that, your attention that, when your I mean, head coach says that. That's
2: not even paraphrasing. That's what he said.
0: <laughs> that game was the season debut for Terrence Ford. It was good to see him back out there. He had nine points and five assists and 26 minutes, was able to shake off a little bit of the rust. And here's what
2: I'd say about the Jackson State game. Because, look, we've talked about this a lot, making it about you and I a little bit, you and me. We understand, right, that people listening here, like they know that sometimes we're going to tend to be – overly positive, and so sometimes it affects whether somebody thinks we're telling them the truth. My guess is if you go back and you listen to this podcast from last week and we're telling you about the Jackson State game coming up, we said hey, you better be ready because yeah. this is a good Jackson State team coming in here. And people think we're saying that putting on the sales pitch. No, we're saying that because as a game, you better mind your P's and Q's. And yeah. so it kind of turned into a little bit, I mean, of a, I mean, let's be honest, turned into a bit of a free throw shooting contest late. Jackson State didn't miss any, and we missed a couple, and it kind of ends up being the difference. It's not very fun to see a game sort of turn into that down the stretch, but it's kind of what happened on this particular day, and they hit free throws and did
0: enough to get out of here with a win. Red Wolves tried to bounce back on Friday as they went down to the Stevens Center to take on Little Rock. 95th all-time meeting between the Red Wolves and Trojans, and look, it was a back-and-forth game for a good portion of that contest A State actually led 42 to 40 with 14 minutes to go but that's when Little Rock went on a 20 to nothing run just hard to bounce back from that Little Rock ends up going on to win at 77 to 66 and look the big story in that one was A State lost their point guards Terrence Ford started that game, lasted five minutes before he re-injured his foot. Who knows how long he's going to be out. And then Caleb Fields played just eight minutes. He had to leave with an injury. So neither played in the second half. And you end up turning the ball over 21 times in that game, had just seven assists. And 13 of those 21 turnovers came in the second half. And you just can't do that.
2: Mm-hmm. This team's health is an issue, like right, especially right there, because I mean th- th- those are your two-point guards after that right Taryn Todd has to play some point guard and I honestly what I think we'll see at some point if those guys if you have to go a stretch of time without both of those I think you'll see Freddie Hicks play some point guard. yeah because I mean but that's a big big deal yeah you know you still haven't really had hard at what what a couple of minutes in one game so this team has not gotten to play at close to
0: full strength
2: yet you're and, still
0: without Laquille
2: Harden no? yes yeah, so, and i hoping that comes up sooner than later
0: DeAndre Dominguez did have a good performance in that one. He had 20 points against the Trojans. Darian Ford had a couple of good games last week. He had 14 against Jackson State and then a season-high 16 against Little Rock. So good to see him start to get it going a little bit. And we're recording this before the Alabama game on Monday night. But the Red Wolves will be back in action coming up this weekend at home their only home game of the entire month of December coming up Saturday at 2.30 against Andy Kennedy and UAB. So that should be a good contest.
2: Be looking, as again, as we're sitting here recording this, I don't have all the details. So I'm just saying follow us for the details on this one. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on Saturday for that doubleheader. Okay. Like some wide out stuff is going to be going on. We'll give you the numbers. We're going to, I think we've got some shirts in the works certain number of those. Be looking for that. scheduled to have a big-time halftime act in for both games of the doubleheader. Okay. If your kid's a house Pals member, that's one of the doubleheaders they get into for free. So be on the lookout. A lot of stuff. Saturday's a big day all the way around. It's a big, fun doubleheader, and we want people there. It's the first time, too. These Saturday doubleheaders are going to be noon and 2.30. It's kind of a different start time, so we'll, we'll all find out how that goes together.
0: The women's team played a couple of times last week they trailed by three at the half last tuesday against uapb but came back and won handily won that game 85 to 65 izzy higginbottom with 22 points lauren pendleton with 15 and melody kapinga just one rebound away from a double double had 11 points and nine rebounds eight of her nine boards were offensive yeah
2: she was really working the offensive glass hard. One of her best games, honestly, of her time here. Lauren Pendleton had strung together a couple of good games, which this team really needs to see. I think the biggest question mark facing this team is who wants to step up be the, the next most reliable scorer after Izzy Higginbottom. And so the honestly, the answer to that, if we're just being honest, needs to be Lauren Pendleton. She needs to be right there. So good to see her kind of getting uh, more comfortable in that spot.
0: Red Wolves were on the road on Saturday. They took on Kansas City, cut a fifteen point deficit down to four, but ended up falling sixty two to fifty seven. Izzy with eighteen, Anna Griffin had thirteen in that contest and yep. A State now three and three on the season.
2: The easiest way to complete a fifteen point fourth quarter comeback is don't have to. Don't get down 15 going into the fourth quarter. You know, that's It's just asking an awful lot. Your margin of error is next to none. You know and They got close enough to make Kansas City hit some free throws down the stretch, and they did. So the moral of the story is
0: don't get in that position. You mentioned the doubleheader coming up on Saturday. The women will play in the first half of the doubleheader. They'll take on Louisiana Tech Yes, at noon on Saturday.
2: Oh, the old-timers ought to come rolling in. They love to see Louisiana Tech on the schedule. So they're coming in here, harking back to days gone by when there's more than once that uh, Louisiana Tech made this trip in here ranked number one in the country. The last time I checked, this particular lady text her bunch is not, but I don't care. We just uh, want to beat them just the same come Saturday at noon because if somebody's talking trash in a text between uh, Brad Peets and myself, so i just soon it be me.
0: <laughs> the volleyball team. Played in the first round of the women's NIVC last Thursday. They fell in three sets at Wichita State. And even though it was straight sets, they were competitive in this match. And we talked about just the importance of getting a few more practices in for this young team and a chance to continue their season a little bit and how that was important for Brian Gerwig and his crew. They end up ending the season with a record of 16-15. and
2: We'll work now to keep the core of that team together and make the additions he needs to make to it to, to round them out. I mean, I still think that's a program trending up. Yeah. Young squad, Only there are only three seniors and four upperclassmen on the whole roster. So looking forward to seeing what's next for them.
0: Indoor track and field season began this past Saturday. They were up in Boston at the Sharon Collier Danville season opener. Big story out of this one, the Mountain Home native, Jacob Pyatt, breaking his own... School record in the 5,000. Indoor track and field will be back in action once again this Saturday. They'll be in Pittsburgh, Kansas, home of the Gorillas. Yes. The Crimson right. and Gold Invitational.
2: Man, that's a great mascot. Pitt well, State. So girl.
0: good. We used to be. I know.
2: and you know, But the funny thing is, it predates. There was never a logo for that. There was never a mascot. It was just sometime... There was just a stretch where they called the teams.
0: You're in a position now where you can make it up.
2: I, it, I know. I mean, people would love that if we would make one up because you know you have so much of the history at stuff we can't do anything with. Nobody wishes that there was some kind of gorillas logo back then
0: more than me. <laughs> I promise. I'm sure. That takes us back to football. Mentioned it at the start of the program. A State will be playing in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery. Saturday, December 23rd, an 11 a.m. kick, which we always talk about how much we love those 11 a.m. kicks on the road. And in this case, if you're thinking about plans around Christmas time, look, you can come to that 11 a.m. game in Montgomery and – be back on the road yeah. and back in Northeast Arkansas, if that's where you're coming from, by 10 o'clock that yeah, night. It really does
2: set up well for it to be a one-night trip. I anticipate a lot of people take advantage of the opportunity to come to Montgomery on Friday, spend one night, be at the game, 11 o'clock at morning, and then do just what you said. Get in the car and be back home and, and sleeping in your own bed ready to get up on Christmas Eve. Uh, I think I mean, that's a really, really good setup from that standpoint.
0: And for those who haven't been to the Camellia Bowl before. This is our third trip. We lost a close one against Middle Tennessee back in 2017. Then we went back in 2019 and really fun win over FIU. That was the last time we were in a bowl game. You know, the team will be there at the Renaissance Hotel. Really nice hotel and just the surrounding area there in downtown Montgomery for those who haven't been. Very nice. There's several things to do around there. There's lots of good restaurants. Yep. Just in that two-block radius around the hotel, and always have enjoyed those trips in the past. So encourage our fans to make plans to. If come it's down. Uh,
2: the team, uh will head down there on Tuesday, the nineteenth, and so be looking for information. You know, we'll have out probably maybe trying to do some sort of send off here. They'll head down on Tuesday. Next day, signing day. Yeah. So if you're going to get down there, let's say you're coming Friday, make your target time six o'clock. Or to be, not just get there at 6, but be down there at 6. Because 6 o'clock Friday night is going to be the A-State pep rally from 6 to 6.30. And then uh, I'll say this. I think an event people are accustomed to happening at Wenzel's for a bowl will happen right after that. My prediction.
0: A very popular event.
2: That's Yeah. We'll leave it there. But uh, I,
0: You better get your butt out of bed the next morning, though, to the <laughs> stadium by 11 a.m.
2: And I, there'll be, there's going to be – I've already heard about plans for, you know, a Saturday morning tailgate at the stadium with a breakfast menu, all this stuff. It's funny, especially given kind of the timing of when we were doing this podcast. I'll lift the curtain back because we like to do that for as a reward for people listening to this podcast. So I'll just tell you. Yeah. This was tweeted out by a national media member before – Arkansas State was definitively told, here's your situation, by the league or the bowl game, either one. Now... It
0: seems a little out of whack.
2: Now, all signs, it's not like it was news, because all signs really all week long, a lot further out than I thought, Mm -hmm. all signs sort of pointed to this. So the preparation, with enough confidence that you could already kind of start working toward it. But it's interesting, and when it came time to really put it out, it was out there before we had even been told we were officially in the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just kind of the way it is right now. But, yeah, we were waiting, and, I mean, all week long, we we felt very confident this is where we were headed. But still, we, we couldn't get official word until right before we sat down to record. And I, I'll tell you, yeah, we're recording on Sunday afternoon.
2: And I mean, heck! As a reward to our listeners, who especially if you're still with us at this point, I'll do you one better than tell you. If you saw the tweet, the Facebook post, the Instagram post from Athletics officially announcing the bowl, they were sent from this studio during the interview with Jacob Bear.
0: And I admire your uh, doing double duty over there. <laughs> hey, we appreciate jacob bear for coming in really enjoyed that visit thanks for jerry scott setting that one up for brad i'm matt have a great week everybody